0: Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Jax Falcone, and this is episode one. Let's go. Well, today I definitely have a, a pretty special guest, someone that I think if you're in the industry, a lot of y'all know. And uh, if you're not in the industry, you'll be happy to be introduced to if you don't already know him. But before I get to all that, I did want to have a few shout outs to what we're doing over at The Undroppables. Uh, you can find me at Dino Game Theory on Twitter and at TheUndroppables.com. At the Undroppables, we're doing a bunch of stuff that I think you guys are already following or checking out. Uh, rankings, our rankings are across the board. We've got dynasty rankings, rookie rankings, redraft rankings, the whole gamut. So really excited to bring that to you. A lot of analysis. We're putting articles up almost every single day. We've got a ton of writers. We are just about to launch our offensive line rankings. We've got medical, analytics, a lot of cool stuff coming on the analytics front. And we're bringing that all to you for free. We've got a big team of writers and analysts, and I really want you guys to check it out. The biggest thing going right now, however, is of course the Unscripted pod with BZ, Term, and Polly. Go check that out at UnscriptedFF or anywhere that you can find podcasts. All right. Before we get to our our guests, I want to mention one more thing. This pod is going to be basically a Dynasty Game Theory podcast. We're going to be you know coming at you with a ton of dynasty information, dynasty rankings, all sorts of analysis that I think is going to be very helpful. But without further ado, I have someone here who has been in this community a long time and someone that is joining the undroppables. You may know him, Tommy Mo.
1: What's up, Jax Falcon? Thanks for having me on the show, man.
0: Oh, I am so excited to have you on, Tommy. How you doing?
1: I'm doing good I'm doing good i'm well I'm <clears throat> hearing you drop uh drop the bomb uh making the official official addition to the
0: undroppables crew absolutely I mean you know why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on so that I can share it with the people
1: yeah it's uh it's it's kind of been a long time coming to be honest uh I've been uh, friends and you know, Twitter acquaintances with, with all you guys for quite some time and, and talking to our buddy chalk at 101 chalk, you know, about, about coming on, <clears throat> about coming on board the team and, and making it official. You know, I was already doing some dynasty writing for you guys and kind of freelancing it a bit and still trying to do my own thing, but I don't know. It, it just, it just felt right. It felt like the right time. It felt like the right move. And, you know, I, I'm hoping to just bring a lot of, uh, a lot of enthusiasm and, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of enthusiasm and our, you know, unique take on, on fantasy football, you know, coming from the eyes of someone that's played the game, you know, and, and bringing that insight that, you know, other people just might not see just from not having lived that life, you know, and, and coming with the game film analysis and, and still trying to use, you know, analytics to support our, uh, support our takes. But, yeah, it's, it's it's we got some <clears throat> excuse me, we got some exciting things coming. Two on one fantasy football podcasts officially moving over to to the undroppables. I don't know if we can talk about the network yet. I, I know that's in the works, but I don't know if I'm dropping too many bombs. But yeah, it, I, I'm excited. I, I'm ready to to be officially an undroppable on the can't cut list because that's uh, that's that's a team to be on. You know, I, I love what you guys are doing, and I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's time to join forces and and make this happen.
0: Well, Tommy, you fit the profile. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I was told and, and, and I don't know how the hell I got on the team, if this is true, but I was told (laughs) that the undroppables are super cool and you're one of the coolest (laughs) nephers out there, brother. Uh, There's no doubt about it. You know I mean? In terms of having myself, you know, witnessed what you're all about and, you know, just as a, as a, as a person, you know, I've never really even seen you get into it with anybody. Uh, maybe they're just all afraid of you because, you know, because they know, know what's up, but uh, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but um, but seriously, man, you've always been such a great guy, you know, in the community to, to whomever. I've literally never witnessed the negativity from you once. And, um, you know, you're super cool. You've got great, you know, uh, great writing ability. I love reading your articles. I love reading your point of view. I think you bring a lot to the table. You've, you've obviously, Started your own successful brand and and site, and now we get to sort of have all that. Uh, joining us at the Undroppables, we are really really excited to have you on board, and for all those right reasons.
1: Yeah, thank, thanks, Jax. That's that's really humbling to hear. Um, you know, yeah, I try to keep it, you know, positivity all the time. You know, just trying to keep it one hundred on Twitter, trying not to, you know, get into the drama or the BS that happens on there sometimes. And, you know, it's happening. You know. It has happened a couple times. I'm glad you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> there's definitely been a couple of, uh, a couple of small instances and, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, have my fair share of trolls and it, it, it's just, whatever, you know, it, it's, it's Twitter. Um, we're all for the community. We're all to help lift each other up. You know, uh, I'll put it out there every now and then just gas each other up. Like who cares? You know, we're all on the same grind. We all have the same passion. So, so let's just do it together. You know, let's, let's link up, team up and make it happen. You know? And yeah. Like <laughs> I think a uh, personality fit. I, I think that's why I, I was already hanging with most of the undroppables crew anyway, but I, I think, you know, the timing's everything. And I think for this one, the, the timing's right.
0: Well, you know, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if we have a mission statement yet over at the undroppables, um, officially, but I know exactly what we're all about. And what we're trying to do is, you know, to to bring the absolute best content to the fantasy football community. And we're trying to do it for free. I mean, you know, we haven't done a single paywall yet, uh, premium content, none of that. We haven't charged a sub fee. Um, and I don't know that we have the right to do that yet. I'm not suggesting we should have or shouldn't have, but we've talked about it a, a bunch of times. And that's not what we're necessarily striving for. I mean, obviously, we'd like to be successful, but... You know, I think our goal is to is to provide a lot of free content, if not all free content. The yeah. way that that free content stays free is with support from you know from the people. So you know, we certainly want to hear your feedback. Um, share it with your friends. I mean, the more popular the site gets, and you know, then maybe sponsorships are the way that we pay for it, so that we can continue to make it free. There's so much of that premium content, you know, for Dynasty and for you know the advanced player. It's all expensive, you know. Right. Um, there's some great sites out there, but they're not free. And you know, you can see the the game plan by those sites, and I don't begrudge them for that. I really don't. There's, there's, you know, hey, if I could have, uh, you know, a million people want to pay a hundred dollars a month to li- to hear me, I, right. I, I'm signing up yeah. tomorrow. But yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, um, you know, not everybody has that kind of kind of money, and you know, they do deserve the great content. So we're really working very, very hard to, to put that out there. And, and so I think that's what you're seeing. And I hope that's what you're attracted to, you know I mean? We want to oh, be yeah. the best in this business, but we're humbled enough to know that we're not there yet, but you know, we're, we're going to work our asses off to try and get there.
1: When well, you can tell it's a passion project, you know, like everybody's passionate about that, uh, about this project, about the undropables, everyone's passionate about fantasy football. Everyone wants to help you win your leagues. You know, you, the listener, uh, yeah. It, the listener, the reader, however you digest your fantasy football information, the droppables are there for you in every facet of the game. And, and, and not just on the site, right, but like on Twitter. I don't think there's any other uh, more approachable group than the group of people that are in the droppables. You know, like Polly Sleepers is like one of the most approachable guys will always talk to you. And, and that's part of the reason why he and and most of us got into this industry as a hobby and a passion is – you know, you're not always going to get the blue check mark guy responding to you, but we'll respond to you. You know, right. we'll talk to you about football. We'll give you all the advice you need, like you said, for free, you know, because we want you to win. We want you to be successful. So you could say that we helped you do it.
0: Well, as a, as a matter of fact, um, Polly, who is, you know, one of the, like you say, one of the most accessible, you know, uh, Twitter followers with over 10,000 followers for sure there is a blue check mark i think that they're having on their show tonight actually we're recording this on a tuesday night late west coast style but um there's a they're having a couple of pretty big guests on the unscripted pod tonight uh some blue check marks uh themselves i believe and uh you know that's going to drop here probably tomorrow morning so you know obviously you'll listen to that before you listen to this because they're they're killing it but you know if anybody is checking me out and is unaware of unscripted Get on there. Uh, It's awesome. And you're going to hear some some uh, some pretty cool guests on there. Um, You know, you mentioned Passion Project and it made me think of, you know, we talked a little bit before the show, not to not to give it away. But ultimately, we talked a little bit about, you know, your past. And, you know, we have a little bit of a similarity, except uh, you were awesome and I was average. But tell us a little bit bit about your playing career. Uh, Did I hear that you played at Modern Day?
1: Yep, yep, that's right. Um, yeah, go Monarchs, three three stripes for life. Um, yeah, uh, played there, was the biggest meathead <laughs> <laughs> for football ever. Uh, just had my home league draft with some of those guys that we played with. And yeah, we were just talking about that. And yeah, yeah, I was, um, was there for Matt Leinert's years, Cole Brennan's years, uh, played against guys like Deshaun Jackson, uh, Maurice Jones, Drew. Um, you know, Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's little brother, uh, it just, yeah, you know, you had the opportunity to play, uh, some big time football early on, uh, growing up here in, in, in Orange County in Southern California. Um, and then, you know, did a, the did a small stint at a junior college, lived that JUCO life, um, that last chance you life. It's exactly like they displayed it, especially on the last season. And, and then got a, got a scholarship, uh, to go play at a D2 school in, in North Dakota. Uh, Minot State University, home of the Beavers, and uh, yeah, was up there for three years. Uh, made all conference. Uh, got a couple of interceptions as a D tackle. Nice. Took one to the house. Uh, yeah, ended up on a billboard because of that uh, in the middle of town. What? And, you know, just lived that that small town football life for a little. I
0: bit. didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know Trubisky played in that <laughs> conference. What? Wait, what? <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, so just, um, just yeah, been have been around football, you know, my whole life. So I so played it in the college level um, and, and then came back home and coached for a few years at uh, um, on the youth level for for Pop Warner. And, you know, I get some opportunities to, to coach high school level, it just, you know, has really worked out. But football has been my life and my passion for a very long time. And, you know, unfortunately, when you don't make pros like a lot of people do, uh, or, sorry, don't, um you, you turn into that passion somewhere else. And, and that fell in fantasy football. And and that's kind of where I've been for the last 15 years, just, you know, getting more entrenched uh, every year in, in fantasy and, you know, trying to bring some of that experience from playing the game to my analysis um, and how I look at players and, you know, why I rank players where I do and some of the game film analysis and you know, just trying to bring that perspective, you know, that, that a few of us in the industry do, you know, uh, Ray GQ, you know, Ray Garvin is, is one of my favorites of doing that, you know, bringing his past experience of, uh, of the game to, to his analysis, but not in a, you know, we know more, you know, because of it type of way, but just let me present this other idea, you know, based on how uh, I experience football, you know, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I come from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think um, you know, my playing days, you know, and I and I think I shared with you I played quarterback and you know, I played only through high school and of course, you know, I will say we did win a an intramural championship. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, in college, but hey, you know, you got your glory days, you know, but um but you know, but my playing days didn't necessarily, you know, I don't think it affects it greatly. I think I think what it does more for me, I mean, Yes, I see the I see the game pretty well, but maybe a guy who's played Madden for 20 years sees it just as well. I don't really yeah. know, you know, cuz I've done that as well and you know, I don't <laughs> I would like to think that the playing days actually, you know, give you more um but you know, it doesn't doesn't qualify you or disqualify you, but what it does do is it speaks to why we're here and if you're if you're listening to this episode episode 1 of a little known, you know, undroppable then you probably have what we have and that's that passion you know i mean that's the one thing that i you know i i can't stress enough i just love the yeah. game i love playing i wish i could play forever i mean of course it the, you know i always i always say to people you know for 99.99% of every human the game ends before you want it to um you know i don't care who you are right i mean mm-hmm. nobody's john elway right who goes out on top you know there's just so few Right. Of us that actually get to live the game exactly how we how we want to, you know Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, John Elway. There's a couple of guys who who go out and and on their yeah. terms, but it's rare. It's rare, you know. And there's just millions of us, literally, who couldn't get a scholarship or couldn't get, you know, uh, to start at a big school or couldn't get, you know, a sniff at the pros wherever it wherever that train ended you know, we wanted to keep riding and we just couldn't. And so, you know, of course we play fantasy football, we bet, we gamble, whatever it is that we do, uh, we watch it, we share it with our friends. Um, but, you know, once I found some success and the ability to make some money playing in fantasy football leagues and DFS and, and, you know, as high a stakes league as I can get myself into, I started to realize, hey, this is pretty cool too. And, and I started to realize I was kind of good at this fantasy football thing and i'm I'm hopeful that I can be good at sharing it with you over these airwaves. I don't know we'll see about that, but that's kind of the goal is to try and get a lot of the knowledge that you know I've been able to at, uh, attain and get it across to people and then also get people like yourself on my pod and and have you help me um you know help me get that your message across and help help make me smarter um you know I intend to learn from every interaction. That's probably, yeah. you know, a dynasty game theory 101 is, you know, never stop learning, never think you're the best uh, at really anything in life, but specifically fantasy yeah. football. I mean, I am constantly, you know, revisiting takes I have, and and oftentimes I'll tweet them out. Just this week I think I did a heel-toe on on Ronald Jones. You know, I'm not a huge Ronald Jones fan, but at this particular point, you know, if you're not open to drafting oh. him in the middle rounds – you're doing it wrong. I'm not saying you should be smashing him. Cause I'm not exactly sure what the hell is going to happen, but with Keyshawn Vaughn really not doing anything and you know, all this, thing, you got to look at it and say, I've got to have a new perspective on this. So constantly getting better is, is what I'm, what I'm all about. And, you know, um, and, and, and having a lot of fun with it. So hopefully we can get to the fun <clears throat> on this episode because I think we can probably get there. Maybe I, maybe I'll just, uh, you know, make fun of you or something like that. I don't think that'll go over so well because you do live cl- too close to me. I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. No,
1: go, go, <laughs> go for it. I'll, I'll drive the three, the four hours north <laughs> right now to fight you. <laughs> It'd be nice. a quick fight, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not fighting any, uh, you know, any, uh, even D2 uh, nose tackles. <laughs> I don't give a shit what division, man.
1: Hey, and I'm Simone, so you know I know how to fight.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, as the as the Pulp Fiction line says, he's Simone. What's he going to do, you know? Yeah. That's right.
1: right. Tony Rakihara.
0: Tony Rakihara. <laughs> that's right.
1: You know, but I think you said it right, Jax. Like, like bringing the message to the people, right? Getting it out there. Um, that's why you do it on Twitter. And, and finding another avenue to, to, you know, spread the knowledge to other people. Share what you got. See, you know, because... It, yes it's you know a market where a lot of people are in but at the same time people are there's so many uh, fancy football players right and there's so many people that are looking for help and looking for advice and just being able to share that with the people i think is key and i'm stoked to see you starting up with your podcast because i think it's gonna be great um i've really enjoyed interacting with you on twitter and and you know when you invited me to be on this show for episode one i definitely was uh was honored and and yeah, I'm excited to see where it's gonna go.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well it's great to have you. Let's uh let's stop with the you know the kissing in the corner and get to the real action. <laughs> All right. Um you know we we certainly want to talk about football. I think this is going to be a predominantly dynasty show, but you know, dynasty turns into redraft itself as soon as the season kicks off. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna be talking especially this month, this is a redraft month. So I know my episode one is kicking off Right when redraft is at its at its peak, everybody's drafting their redraft. So we're going to kind of talk more so about redraft in terms of what we might think of a player. But I think that's going to, you know, kind of portend to what we would do in, in dynasty too. It's the same difference, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, one of my processes of uh, evaluating value in in dynasty is year one production. Year one production is arguably the most important thing. In other words, what the hell is this guy going to do this year? Um, You don't want to project too far past it. I actually have a kind of a one, three and long-term, you know, sort of projection and long-term, it's hard to say what's going to happen in five or seven years. So, you know, I just sort of look at a a player as to what they're going to do in one year, what they're going to do in three years, and then whether or not they have a potential to have something longer than that, Um, you know, Obviously, we would have thought Darius Geis had a long-term potential even up to months ago. So the long-term is something that you just kind of have to take with a grain of salt and really look uh, to the short-term future, even in Dynasty. Um, because in Dynasty also, uh, this is also a huge, a huge um, pillar of what I think Dynasty football is, is trying to get s- uh, an asset, a player on your squad that's going to appreciate in the short-term. You know, whatever the value is that you're paying, whether it's a rookie draft pick or a startup draft pick or some sort of trade, uh, whatever that acquisition cost was up front, if in a month or at the end of this season it's all of a sudden worth more, then that's a that's a that's good. If you have a team full of players like that, oh my god, you're going to yep. be great. So you got to look at that type of stuff, and and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but. You know, let's talk first about, you know, some of these running backs. I, I tend to find that for me, there's, I don't know, probably 16 or so. It's uh, just sort of a, maybe a, you know, somewhere in that, in that 16 to 18 elite running backs. And then you start getting into off. some of the question <laughs> marks, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the, the drop-off. So, you know, certainly my strategy is of those, let's call it 16 I want to get as many of those as possible, so I'm going to draft those until they're gone, and then pivot to whatever else. I guess my thought process is: if you're sitting on the clock and you see Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon, or if you see, you know, like a David Montgomery or Cam Akers, like I, let's start with the first one. If yeah. you're on the clock and you feel like you need a running back, first of all, are you drafting Gurley or Gordon, or are you drafting neither? And if you're drafting one of them, who you got?
1: Yeah, this year especially, I I'm more interested in what Todd Gurley's going to do. I'm more interested in seeing if he still got it, because if he does, he's in the best position, in my opinion, out of all those running backs you named, to try to get back to running back one status. You know, right. I'm not projecting him to get there, but if he still got it, if he's still Todd Gurley. Then in that offense, how Dirk Cutter runs that offense in Atlanta, it's the perfect fit for him. You know, seeing how Devontae Freeman was there, the worst thing about Devontae Freeman was just that his size was too small for the type of guy, the type of football player he was. So you're basically upgrading Todd Gurley, who is bigger, who can take a hit. And if he still got it, man, that's that's a hell of a steal uh, at, at what? running back 18, running back 16, you know, right Somewhere in the range, yeah. you know, and I, I'm, I'm, if I can get Gurley, especially as gosh, if, if I've lucked out and he's my running back three, I'm, I'm super excited. But as my running back two, I, I definitely would be happy with that. I would not be, you're definitely gambling a bit, but I don't know. You know, you're the gambling guy. Like I, I kind of like those odds.
0: Yeah, 16, 17, 18, 19. Thing think
1: dropables has them overall running back 18 consensus.
0: Yeah, so I mean we're in a we're in a 20 man league uh the club championship as you and I as <laughs> as we call it. Uh so the internal uh the undroppables there's 20 of us in this league. We are all undroppables, so we do have a pretty big team. I'm not going to shout them all out, but but we're in a 20 man single copy league and you know, so it gets it gets thin quick and you know, I drafted third overall. It came back around to me. So I'm drafting whatever that is, almost 40th uh, with my next pick. Yeah. And Todd Gurley wow. was still there. And I did draft him as the RB21. Um, but what's interesting is I'm looking at it. And because it's a 20-man league, you really want players that you feel really good about. And yeah. I felt myself, you know, not feeling that great about it. Um, just because he has so many questions. I think he, I think you say it perfectly. He's got this huge ceiling because it's a high scoring offense. He's a former, basically two year MVP. I mean, you know, whatever, you you know, and you know, so he's proven he's capable of, of dominating an awesome offense and, 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 you know, catching the ball out of the backfield, scoring touchdowns, the whole thing. He's also been, shall we say, bulky, uh, a little bit last year, he didn't look great. Yeah. The offensive line was garbage. Um, so, what is it? You know, is he really deteriorating that fast, or is it a pain management, or not? I mean, it's all very scary. But at the end of the day, I think if you're drafting in that spot, you know, RB twenty or something, I I would agree. I'd take Todd Gurley over Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon has his own issues. I don't think he's been awesome, um, you know, ever in his career, uh, he's been, and, and he's got some competition. I, you know, I hear mixed messages from, from both coaching and from media and, you know, analysts alike about whether or not it's going to be a 50, 50 or whether or not that's uh, Melvin Gordon's backfield, nonetheless, scary to draft him, you know, in the top 15 or 20 running backs, uh, in redraft.
1: Well, and it's not like Philip Lindsay just, like, disappeared. You know, like, the guy made the Pro Bowl for a reason. (laughs) Right. And he's still there. And so, yeah, Melvin Gordon on paper is the better running back, I guess. You know, but, yeah, it's going to be a split, I think, for his longevity. Uh, (laughs) It it makes sense for them to split it. Um, And and it's also, I I think I talked about this on the True North podcast. It's not like... Philip Lindsay's like a pass catching back. So like Melvin Gordon will get like the first couple of reps, you know, first, second down and Lindsay will come in as the third down back. That's not really his game. I mean, yes, he can catch, but he's also a first and second down back too. He runs between the tackles. So you kind of have roughly the same type of player um, on the same team. And and so, yeah, knowing what that split is, is, is going to be tough, you know? And so going back to like, what's the better gamble? Do you want to, gamble on the higher ceiling and all the upside and all the opportunity, or, you know, maybe a higher floor, but a little bit less uncertain of the actual, uh, you know, the actual target share touches we'll get in the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I mean, you know, the zero RB uh, zealots and, uh, you know, (laughs) aside, I mean, most of us, I think go into that draft, uh, into a, into a standard, you know, redraft draft one quarterback type of thing. And I think we're trying to, you know, we're trying to land, the premier running backs. I mean, uh-huh. you know, if you could have the first three picks, you wouldn't throw in a wide receiver. You just take, you know, you take the three running backs, so right. um, you take CMC, Barkley and Zeke or whatever, you know, Camara maybe or whatever, but, you know, you would just want to lock up three stud backs if you could. And so the the question isn't, you know, do you want to do that? That's to me a clear, yes. The, the question as I'm in drafts is where does that you know, tier one of backs end and when uh-huh. do I then say, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and, and just hammer, you know, wide receiver and find value at the quarterback and tight end position. That's just sort of my strategy in a redraft is, you know, but then you start looking at some of these running backs and going, wait a minute, is that a bell cow? Or is that, uh-huh. a, uh, you know, is that, is that one of those mid round traps, you know, that we've been drafting, you know, Damian Williams last year, whatever, you know, I, you know, right? I mean, who's the trap? Even David Montgomery right. last year, and I'm famous uh for, you know, you know, calling him jump cut Monty and saying that, you know, <laughs> he you know, he, right? So the the jump cut Monty and the whole thing. But at this particular point, his value is now I mean his cost is is good and his value may exceed that cost. I'm not sure. And it's really hard because you know, you look at a guy like Montgomery and Cam Akers. Cam Akers in my opinion, opposite of Montgomery has all the skill in the world. Will he be given? You know, if you told me that Cam Akers will get 250 carries this year, I mean, I would draft him in the first round. I mean, I just know he's going to be awesome. So it's really how much work is he going to get, and where do I want to take that gamble? Um, and you know, or do I want to take that gamble? Do I just want to go, you know, wide receiver where where Akers is being drafted or Montgomery is being drafted? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and I think you know you always got to play your board and and what your draft mates are doing. You know that's what's always my you know my number one advice is you can have a strategy, right? But going into it, it's you gotta take the best value that's available, and and part of that is based on who is being selected by your draft mates. So if you're at a situation where where the running backs are really going to drop off, you know, and, and you're just trying to hoard as many as you can. Then, then, yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking Cam Akers or David Montgomery in like the fourth, um, and and waiting on receivers. So that the wide receiver position so
0: deep. So, Tommy, answer the question this way: Are you drafting either David Montgomery or Cam Akers at all? Are you drafting either one of those players in a redraft situation? Uh,
1: yeah, I think um, again, as as a running back three, um, as as a flex type of running back, absolutely. I like David Montgomery a little bit more this year than Cam Akers only because I think our running backs, our, our rookie running backs are going to struggle just a little bit or the team is going to struggle just a little bit with getting them involved as early on as possible and might lean a little bit more towards getting the veterans or, you know, those guys that have been there a little bit. <laughs> but I, I like Montgomery. I think I like Montgomery. I'm a little bit higher on Montgomery than, than most other people. Um, but, you know, for, for dynasty purposes, I mean, Cam Akers is is going to be the man there for a while, you know. And so uh, those guys are definitely on my list if I can get them, you know, for the right value uh, in the draft. And so, um, like I said, I, I'm a little bit higher on Monty. Um, he's he's a back-end running back two for me right now. Sure. Um, where I have Cam Akers actually a little bit lower um, in the running back three range. So... Um, you know, looking at undroppable is definitely a little bit different than, than how you guys have them ranked. But, you know, that's kind of my reasoning on it, is, especially for Rejaf. Some of these guys are just going to take a little bit of time um, to, to really get up to speed compared to other years. I, I really think it's going to happen. And, and like I said, not even from just their own performance and skill level, but how the coaching staff is going to view, you know, are these guys ready to get out there um, and fully trust them?
0: No doubt, I you know, and and I'm going to adjust my rankings. I had David Montgomery a little too low, but in our consensus rankings over at Andropos, we basically have him back to back. Especially once I I move up Montgomery a little bit, um, he's behind too many good players. The other guy I've moved up is is DeAndre Swift, but we'll get to him in a moment. You know, when I look at our consensus rankings, Todd Gurley comes in as the RB 18. Um, you know, which is kind of what I'm talking about. You know, and it's. It's Lev Bell at seventeen, Gurley at eighteen, Carson at nineteen, Connor uh-huh. at twenty, Gordon at twenty-one, Acres, uh, David Johnson, David Montgomery, and it's like I don't know if I want those guys on my on my fantasy team on a re, in a redraft situation at the right price in Dynasty, especially I'd consider almost all of them, but you know in, in a uh-huh. in a redraft situation where I'm taking those those running backs, I can get a pretty awesome wide receiver at that particular point. And I think I'd rather just focus on trying to get two of the top 15, even if I'm, you know, taking, you know, a lot of times what I've been able to do is I've been able to get, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette. Generally those two fall far enough from me that they're my RB three. You know, I'm able to get someone in the first round. Obviously, we know who those the, those guys are. You know, the Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Derek Henry. In a lot of situations, I've been able to get Miles Sanders in the second round to match with either – like in the Scott Fish Bowl, I have Kamara and Sanders. I have Dalvin Cook and Sanders in a couple of leagues. Um, you know, and so I missed uh, Sanders just recently in another uh, draft I just did uh, where I ended up with um, uh, Zeke and Mixon and i think that's kind of what i'm what i'm trying to do almost every single time is is to secure those yeah. guys and if mixon's going to fall late second round i mean that is just that is criminal in my opinion i i just don't get it so for me i'm i'm trying to lock up those two backs and then and then it's really that third that rb3 you know i like to have a good rb3 but if some if you know if those premium backs are gone in the third or fourth round it's really tricky, I think, what to do because, and, and I've been falling back on DeAndre Swift. I uh, feel like every single time he's there, it's a it's a great spot to take him. I have zero confidence in Kerryon Johnson. I think whether he's hurt or not almost as doesn't matter. I think the thing that matters the most is that he's not nearly as good as DeAndre Swift at football. And any coach, even a bad one like Matt Patricia, will probably figure that out very quickly. So I think DeAndre Swift, I tweeted it the other day. I said, DeAndre Swift is your league winner. Congratulations. Go ahead and draft him with confidence (laughs) at his ADP. Um, And his ADP is like, you know, fifth round, late fifth round. I mean, you know, sometimes he's there later than that, especially depending on how the running backs are falling. And if some of your league mates are drafting off of the ADP rather than drafting off their own rankings. You know, I've been in some sharp drafts where he goes much, much earlier and you can't get your hands on him because either you know, uh, obviously people are, are hip to it. So, um, you know, um, right. so I think that's what we tend to see, but I think it's just trying to navigate who those, who those top end running backs are and who aren't.
1: Did you see what Carryon Johnson said about DeAndre Swift the other day?
0: Oh no, please tell me.
1: <laughs> they were, uh, I, I didn't see what the question was, but it had to do <laughs> with like watching DeAndre Swift at work and carry on Johnson's just like, yeah, I just watch him. And like, I, I never asked him for advice because I know like just like my hips and my like feet can't do what he does. Like even oh, Kerry wow. Johnson was just like, wow, this guy's amazing. He's about to take my job.
0: <laughs> there is no question. I mean, we should have known that. We, you know, I probably faded uh Swift. When I say faded, um, I had him in the top four or five. Um, even in super flex rookie drafts. I never had him behind a single quarterback. There's no chance I'm taking Joe Burrow ahead of uh DeAndre Swift or wide receiver. So he was, he was locked in that at, at, you know, at the top five, but you know, I think sometimes I had, you know, Dobbins or acres or CEH and obviously Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. And I'm wondering if he should have just been at the number two spot the entire time. And I should have never moved him from that spot. I'm starting to feel like I probably should have done that. Uh, I've had a lot of consternation all off season with what to do with these five backs. At first it was four, but with C E H being in in uh, in Kansas City, he's got to be a part of that conversation mm-hmm. for sure. I certainly, you know, don't know what to do with him either. But point of the matter is, I think that maybe we've all been sleeping on DeAndre Swift a little bit more than we should have for reasons that are really stupid, like Matt Patricia or On Johnson.
1: Right. Yeah, and it's hard because I think you know On Johnson is. On on paper, he he was a great running back. He was a good prospect. Uh, I think people really wanted him to be good and have that opportunity in Detroit, and it's just not really happening. And and seeing him get hurt, um, and and it's kind of looking like he's still hurt. So true, that. you know, with with that his injuries and and what he just said about Swift, I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think Swift's going to be the guy. And so long, carry on. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I I'll I will jump to somebody that I've been touting all offseason. season, and I'll, it's it's interesting. I remember you know when Pro Football Focus PFF said that Zach Moss was their number one overall back, um, you know, and I thought this is the most ridiculous nonsense I have ever heard in all of my time, uh, you know, which is not a, not that long, but I mean, just crazy. So I was anti Zach Moss throughout the whole process not because i didn't like him as a player but because i couldn't get with him at the 101 or anywhere close to that but then the redraft adp comes out and this guy's going pick 110 and uh devin singletary is going as the rb 20 yeah and i'm thinking what the hell how can one back go rb 21 and the other one go rb 50 or wherever the heck um you know moss is going when I think Moss is better than Devin Singletary, so when I see this little group of players as Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, J.K. Dobbins, or Philip Lindsey, if you just put those four guys in, you've got a mid-round pick. Who you, are? You pushing the trigger? Are you pulling the trigger for Devin Singletary ahead of Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, and Philip Lindsay?
1: Well. I'm going to start with the JK Dobbins <laughs> comment because I definitely took some flack on Twitter uh, recently. I, I am not a, I'm not a huge fan mostly of the, of the landing spot. I, I like the, the prospect. I like the player. I, I just don't like where he's landed to really get those fantasy points. Um, he's frankly not going to get enough touches at least for the like next couple of years. And even, you know, Mark Ingram, um, I think he was only getting like 15 touches a game in that, in that Baltimore offense. And yeah, he was super efficient with what he did. But, you know, just the, the, the situation for me as a fantasy football player matters. Um, you could have the best athlete, the best prospect, the best player, but if you're not really giving them the opportunities, it's just not really going to happen. So at the end of the day, it's a numbers thing. So for me, um, I liked Devin Singletary last year and, and he was a guy that I wasn't high on that I really, you know, turned around uh, on, on seeing him play and seeing how he could produce. So I, I still like Devin Singletary. I still have him ranked higher than Zach Moss. I was never super high on Zach Moss as, as a college prospect uh, personally, but you know, that's, that's what happens too when you're plugged into the Twitter community and, and going on podcasts and talking to other people is, you know, your, your opinions, your, your analysis kind of begins to change a little bit, or at least if you're really listening to people, you know, not just having your set mindset, you really start to hear what other people say and start to take that to heart. So, you know, for me, if I, if I'm in that situation with those players, especially for redraft, I, I'm pulling the trigger on Devin Singletary over those guys.
0: Yeah. And and excuse me. And, and according to ADP, you'd have a huge value because like I said, I mean, Devin Singletary is starting to move down a little bit, especially with the most recent, you know, news out of Bill's camp is that Zach Moss is really good. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think.
1: And really good at catching the ball, right? That's what they're saying. Being involved in the passing game.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been on a number of pods. Obviously this is my inaugural pod uh, of my own, but and every pod or any you know time I've had an opportunity to talk about um, Zach Moss, you know I've been I've been saying that I think it's the high value touches that I like. Who's uh-huh. more likely to get a goal line touch? I mean, right. right, the guy who's bigger fam you know family size or personal pan pizza? Which, which guy, right? right. They're going to give it to the bigger guy, and I mean. And one of the things that Zach Moss was good at was converting in goal line situations, you know, in Utah. Um, He also was super efficient in the passing game, excuse me, but, you know, super efficient in the passing game, you know, in a yards per yards per target, yards per catch. I mean, uh, catch percentage, everything was super efficient. Um, We can say, well, he didn't, he didn't play a very high level of competition in the, in the, you know, in the, in the conference he played, but, You can't really say that about Devin Singletary either. Um, Devin Singletary performed pretty well uh, last year catching the football. So I, I do believe he actually can do it. I don't think he's a complete zero in the passing game, but he does have red flags in his profile when it comes to catching the football. I think he was targeted something like 16 or 19 times his senior season. He caught six balls for 36 yards the entire season. Yeah, that's crazy. That's not good. That's not good, I mean it's just not I think some I, there someone had hit me with a stat. I wish i uh had it ready for this pod, but you know something like uh you know uh Zach Moss had the most uh catches over twenty yards uh you know uh from the from the backfield of anybody in college last year, which you know so he's explosive I, I know that I started to turn around a little bit on Zach Moss with first of all Randall Randall Kennedy the host and you know, godfather of the unscripted pod, Terminator. But he, he had, he was so in, man. He was so in. And I would yeah. always give him shit. You know, I'd be like, right. well, my 101 <laughs> is Jonathan Taylor and yours is some slow guy from Utah. But, you know, so, you know, we would go back and forth. But,
1: and we're West Coast guys, right? Like we should know. Yeah. We should be hit to <laughs> Zach Moss and what's going on. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, I give him a hard time, but, and then, and then the one that really pushed me over. So, so terms cer- certainly sharing his opinion, his perspective, and you know the positives of Zach Moss. But then, you know, I, I heard uh, uh, a question asked of Lance Zerline uh, early in the process. I think it was uh, just after the draft, and the question was to posed to Lance: "Hey, Lance, who's going to be the better pro? Is it going to be AJ Dillon or Zach Moss?" And Lance, like he quipped, it was so quick. He goes, Zach Moss. He thought it was an insulting question. And he goes, he's made for this. So his inside knowledge, in other words, knowing the kid, knowing, you know, being connected to the people who talk about him, just his inside knowledge was like, now this guy's an absolute stud. And so I think, you know, whatever we want to say about his slow 40, he was hurt, whatever. Um, all of the other metrics in terms of what he's able to do on a yards per touch basis, what he's able to do with his catches. uh, Yeah. Right. All the film, all the, even now going back to PFF, what they saw was an outstanding football player. And I think that's what he is and whether or not he is a profile of, and and actually term will say it. He goes, he's not going to break a ton of huge runs. Like he's not going to go 80 yards, not going to run away from everybody, but he's just an awesome running back who is made for this and I think when he steps into that locker room and it's already happened it sounds like to me it's just his it's just his and Devin Singletary will kind of realize that as you were pointing out on Johnson sort of seeing DeAndre Swift it just sort of goes yeah this is the guy I'm, I'm a second stringer now you know and I think there's a little <laughs> bit of that with this Zach Moss and you know how awesome or how excellent he'll be as a pro that remains to be seen I just think that It's very reasonable. Here's my my point in in simple. It's very reasonable to assume that Zach Moss is going to get as much opportunity as Devin Singletary. And if that's the case and he gets catches in goal line, then really it's more opportunity than Devin Singletary. So explain to me why we would draft Devin Singletary, and I'm not talking about you, but why we would draft Devin Singletary over Zach Moss, but even more so, why we would draft one at RB20 and another one at RB45 makes zero sense great. they're back to back in the rankings for me because i think it's a 50 50 60 40 split and you're just picking yeah. a horse so i'm always yeah. going to take the cheaper one and you know obviously if they're all on the board it's reasonable to take singletary the veteran deference but you know they're seldom on the board or you know you don't need to take zach moss that high i guess is my point
1: yeah no i, I think that's a great point um you you're making me want to like update my rankings literally as we
0: speak <laughs> because
1: it's so convincing. Um, from a from a football perspective, do you think we could live in a world or at least the Bills could live in a world where Devin Singletary gets a majority of the carries between the between the 20s from the middle of the field, you know, from 20 to 20 and and we see Zach Moss using the red zone a little bit more and he may not get as many yards Uh, rushing, but he's a little bit more efficient with his catches and in touchdowns.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know what I think too, is I think anything's possible, right? You know, if you told me that, you know, Devin Singletary Singletary gets 220, uh, you know, touches and Moss only gets 110, I'd be like, nah, I didn't really see that coming, but I believe it, you know? And if you told me one of them got to 300, I I wouldn't believe, you know, but I I guess it's possible. So, but I think the most likely is some sort of a split, which actually lends me to say I don't want to invest heavily. Look, if it was flipped, if somehow Zach Moss was like the PFF thing had caught and he was being drafted in the top twenty, and Devin Singletary Sky. was forgotten, I'd be t- I'd be yeah. sitting here saying, "What have we? F- what? Why are we forgetting about Devin Singletary? He had a pretty good year right. last year." I'd be defending him. So I'm definitely defending the ADP uh, situation more than I am the player. Although I do think, if I had to pick, if they were just both there. I just would lean slightly towards Zach Moss, um, you know. But if we go back, you know, a, you know, a little bit more than a year ago, whose film was the most tantalizing and exciting to watch? Yep. It was Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary, man. That prospect yep. film. I mean, you know, we had to take it into in, in context because it was Florida Atlantic or whatever it was. And right. you know, you say, who's he running? It's kind of like the D- uh, Daryl Henderson corollary, right? You know, it's like this guy's just yep. gone. Well, is he that is he Barry Sanders or is he just playing against, you know, me back there, right? So, <laughs> you know, right. Um, you know, so yeah, it's like the the level of comp in college as we all know is very drastic. You know, if you play against Alabama every week versus if you play against literally, you know, the 60th ranked, you know, defense, it's like it's completely different.
1: Right. Yeah, and and Devin was because he was from FAU, he was that like hot buzz like you know name to really talk about on on twitter and be a little bit higher on you know because he he wasn't david montgomery and miles sanders and these guys that were the big names and and and, you know (laughs) coming out with with the analysis of you know his game film like look how good he is and then seeing what he ended up doing and he did you know he was productive He, he had a good season you know that was a great person to hang your hat on as as not necessarily a, a total sleeper, but, you know, someone that, that definitely outperformed their ADP and did, and was, you know, did really well, was fantasy relevant. And so it's, you know, again, like uh, uh, the, the way I look at players is, and it's like Todd Gurley, like that talent doesn't just disappear. It doesn't just go away. Yeah. There could be someone that steps up and does a little bit better, performs better. But if, if a guy has proven his worth on the field, and and is able to 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 get playing time like like that's huge like i don't think people put enough stock in like just getting on the field is is huge you know that takes a lot of effort and and a lot of work behind the scenes to get that opportunity so once they're there it's it's hard for those guys to give it up and and again it doesn't just like go away you know so so i i I love your take on zach boss i'm going to move him up <laughs> in my rankings because, uh, like I said, it was very convincing and it makes sense. You know, what everyone's saying, it's just at the same time, like he's going to – it's going to be more of a battle than than what you're going to see with Swift and carry
0: on. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, I think Singletary will have a role. I think he was good enough last year. I mean, he was really efficient that he's going to have mm-hmm. a role. Um, so I, I agree with you 100%. Moving on. But, you know, I think the advice is, you know – and I, I, I did um, uh, with True North, uh, we did that pod, Stoner and I, and and he asked us about these running back dichotomies and, you know, uh, not to revisit that one and just redo that podcast because we could, you know, there's some pretty good takes. I do say go check them out, uh, the True North pod, as you just did the True North pod recently too. and. Trav is yep. one of the best people you'll ever meet. He's just so nice. Genuine. Of course, he's Canadian. Oh, okay. What the hell is he going to do? He can't help but be nice, you know? <laughs> it's a whole country of just nice people. What the hell? I mean, I honestly think they're probably all aliens spying on us or something because they're just too damn nice. Um, yeah, definitely. It's probable, right? Okay. So we got that hey, clear. It's America's hat. You know? Absolutely, man. Just so, so nice up there. I don't even know what to do. It's freezing cold. They don't have any beaches. And why are they so nice?
1: You know, you know what makes Travis so cool is that he's from British Columbia and, and, and Victoria Island on uh, Vancouver. So, you know, he gets a little bit more uh, coolness factor with
0: that. Yeah, the, being from the West Coast, I see where you're going with this. Yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> but but I, I think what I had shared on that, on that pod is, like, he kept asking a, a few, you know, this guy or that guy. And, you know, it was even one where it was, um, you know, uh, who would you prefer – uh, Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman, and I was like Jimmy uh, Jerick McKinnon, you know, and and, <laughs> and the reason is not because I think Jarek McKinnon will be uh, the lead back there, because that's crazy to think that he will. It's just that his ADP and the percentage chance that he is the lead back there are out of alignment. And mm-hmm. look, I, you know, I, I think I asked. How many career touches in five seasons has Raheem Mostert had before last year? It's like less than 40. Like, what is the data point that says that he is going to be a a workhorse this year that you should be drafting in the first five rounds of a read? Get the hell out of here. I'm not, look, it might happen. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm saying it probably won't. Right. And if we look at like, you know, San Francisco, what they've done with their backs, they've, they've split it up and, you know, they've always kind of been a little bit, you know, go with the hot hand and I'll just take the cheapest one is what I'm getting at. And same thing with this Moss Singletary Corollary, same thing. I'll generally take the cheapest one when I can't figure out who it is. Um, Obviously, if there's a clear cut guy, that's different. But when there's, when there's two, I'll just take the cheaper one, especially if I think they're close. So that's just my take there. But uh, moving on, let's, let's, let's talk about. I, I know that we had kind of uh, shared this little topic here, but you know, I was on the clock again, and I'm looking at these four wide receivers. And for the life of me, you know, I have them ranked a certain way, but they're all kind of clustered together in my rankings. You're on the clock. You're going to be drafting a wide receiver, Tommy, and you're staring down the barrel of Michael Gallup, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd. Who are you pushing the button for?
1: Oof. This is a tough it's one. It's a tough um, one, man. Yeah, because all potential wide receiver ones in their own right. Yes. Um, you know, and I, and I think <laughs> I think it's gonna be interesting this year because we have so many good football players that like there's gonna be people that fall out of the running back one, wide receiver one category. Just because there's other guys that are just a little bit better, you know, and and score more points than them, and not because of anything else like you know talent, opportunity, whatever, you know. So I think all these guys are kind of in that category, you know, maybe not necessarily the same tier, but kind of in that category where if the situation really works out, you know, they could be sniffing wide receiver one. But of all of this, four, yeah, um, not easy. Yeah, the the guy that I'm actually higher on the most this year. Um, I, I think is one of the m- uh, more disrespected receivers, and, and all these guys, you know, again, again, in their own right, could be viewed as disrespected uh, with where their ADP is at, and rankings are. But one of the guys that, in my opinion, is the most disrespected year in and year out is Keenan Allen, and call it a West Coast thing—I don't know—it's <laughs> just the guy. Is a PP, if you're in a PPR league, and, and if you're not, I'm sorry for you that you're not, because that should be the standard now.
0: For sure. But if you're in a
1: PPR league, Keenan Allen is a PPR machine, and he has been, and he will continue to be. And again, this is something I said on the True North podcast. No matter who's the quarterback, Tyra Taylor, Justin Herbert, no matter who's the guy, Keenan Allen's going to eat because he catches everything. He's going to be the safety blanket for whoever their quarterback is. And they're going to throw it. There's no doubt about that. They're going to throw the ball. And so Keenan Allen runs amazing routes. He's a big body. He's got great hands. He's a true wide receiver one. He does it year in and year out. He broke the mold of, you know, you're injured till you're not. He, he he's He's produced. And so... I'm super high on key now for redraft for, for this year. I, I like, uh, I like him more than these guys. And that's definitely who I would be picking.
0: That's a great pick. I don't disagree. I, I guess I did disagree <laughs> because I picked someone else on the, on the spot there, but I, I realize that I have these guys so close and you know, when you start telling the story of what's going to happen this year, I actually picked the offense. I picked Michael Gallup for the offense uh-huh. he's in you know, I think yeah. all these guys you can spin a tail that oh yeah, this is going to happen this guy you know 100%. Keenan Allen and Jarvis Landry are like you point out, and actually Tyler Boyd, for that matter, target machines they are just yeah they just get targeted at such a high rate in their offense. Tyler Boyd playing that slot role, I think that's that you know he's a guy being slept on too, and for me, mm-hmm. I mean absolutely you know, talk about Joe Burrow, what is he you know he peppers the slot he had. These unbelievable slot numbers. Who was a slot receiver? Justin Jefferson got him drafted in the first round when he came from virtual anonymity. The year before, yeah. I suppose Burrow came from anonymity too. But um but really, you know, I think he's going to really like Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd gets open. Um he's not he's he's look, Tyler Boyd is Jarvis Landry minus five years, right? I mean, the non sexy yeah. player who gets 140 targets in an offense every year somehow. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's great. It's, this is not a sexy pick. No, that's <laughs> right. But actually, they're winning picks. You know, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather be looking at those guys and drafting those guys where they're going than the running backs that are going in that spot. You know, Devin Singletary for that matter, right? I'd much rather have one of these guys in a than than the running backs, even Montgomery, who I feel you yes. know look, I think, you know, there's a, there's a chance that, you know, after two weeks with, with Chicago and Montgomery, you've got a you know, what, you know, an 18 for 56 game and a a 14 (laughs) for 42 game. You're like, Oh my God, what the hell did I do? You know? Right. And meanwhile, Jarvis Landry had seven catches for 85 yards and a touch and, you know, whatever. Right. And you're like, God, what was I think? So those guys are going to produce. It feels like almost certainly, um, you know, at some level, I mean, if they if all of those guys didn't get hundred targets, I think we'd be surprised. I'd bet the over on a hundred for all of them. Parlay it. I'm in. They're going to get hundred yeah. targets. Um, Gallup Easy. got the the disrespect because of CD Lamb, and I gotta say once again, term you son of a gun, you <laughs> talked me out. I had dropped Michael Gallup. I thought it was the death knell for Michael Gallup. Why? Because I think CD Lamb is one of the best wide receiver prospects ever. I mean certainly, yeah. you know I mean he's certainly you know a top 5 or 10 prospect in the last 5 or 10 years. You know, he's yeah. just a, an elite level prospect. And I said, "Well, and he's earned that 88. He's earned the Ooh. right to wear that 88. I'm glad they gave that to that him." That's so cool. So but I was like, "Okay, well that kills Michael Gallup." And then that's not correct. Uh it's not nope. correct because those three nope. guys can certainly What I think it does though, and one of the things that I'm a little bit frustrated about if I'm a you know, if I'm drafting Amari, Gallup, and and CD, is that it's gonna be week to week, you're not sure which guy it's gonna be, but I think there's gonna be gigantic games sort of peppered throughout for all three of those guys. And yeah. a relatively solid floor. You know, I think you can expect a four catch for 45 yards from all three of them on a sort of a weekly basis, right? You know, I'm not saying that's good, but you know, they're gonna be involved enough, four, five, six targets for each of them, but every now and again, it's going to be, Oh my God, do you see what Gallup did? He had, you know, nine targets, seven catches, 130 yards and two touches. And you're like, whoo, right. Or the other guy or this. So I think it's going to be a a high scoring offense and you know, you're just going to not know which one, but I'll take those guys, especially at that point. And you know, where I took Gallup in this particular league was a bit of a swing for the, it's a, it's the 20 man league. So I am swinging for the fence that Gallup just, goes out and has a 12, 13 touchdown season, right? Um, right. So, I mean, in, in another well, league where, right I,
1: receiver too, right? yeah,
0: where I need floor, I might take someone else. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't going to be able to pick again for 45 picks or whatever it is in this toy. Tw- <laughs> like, I don't know how long it is. It's just so long. It's like two days. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to wake me up and tell me I'm on the clock. As a matter of fact, I'm on the clock right now, so they're going to have to wait. But, yeah, I think that's what I what I look at when I see those guys is they're really kind of all all four of them are disrespected right now and, and a great value, and I'm looking for those yeah. guys at that point. Maybe another guy in there. And I think, yeah, go
1: ahead. I think it's tough, too, because even though I said Keenan Allen, he probably has the highest ADP right probably, now, too, yeah. so even that's a tougher grab.
0: Yep. I probably should have taken Keenan Allen. Look, I did take Keenan Allen in the Scott Fishbowl. I feel really good. He was my wide receiver three. I think I have Godwin. Oh, nice. Yeah, dude, he fell right to me. Godwin, someone else, I don't remember who, but, you know.
1: See, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he's, I, I have him just outside, uh, I think, uh, the top 12. And and, and he's consistently, you know, like, I don't really understand why he's so slept on or hated on or whatever it is. You know, he's he's consistently produced. And, you know what it is know, for the, me,
0: to be honest with you, Tommy, it's like his age. Okay, he's getting a little older. Yeah. Okay. So you wonder is the you know and then that's that's a small one. That's like three percent. It's just you know as as players get older, you start to wonder if their role will be diminished. At some point, it will be, of course. And where does that happen? Um, With Eckler and Henry and Williams. Now Williams, of course, hurt. So Keenan should have been the pick. Um, But the other the other concern is either Tyrod Taylor or Herbert. I think we all have I have some major questions about Herbert's readiness not his skill level, but his readiness for prime time. And Terod has always been kind of a check down Charlie, but you know what? That kind of feeds Keenan because Keenan doesn't work too far from the line of scrimmage. So, but I think those are the two things. It's kind of the offense, the pace. I think they're going to be a little slower. Uh, There's some concerns there.
1: And and I think all of those for me are hold a little bit more water for dynasty than they do for Sure, for me personally, you know, and, and, and so I, you know, I get it. It's just, I don't know. Um, I, I've, I've been noticing it lately just with Keenan Allen, you know, and it's just something like I haven't really tweeted about or anything, but I've been thinking about it, you know, like what's, what, why are we really sleeping on this guy as much as we are relative to where he, he can perform, you know?
0: Yeah. And for, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're right on the money. <clears throat> I think, um, those are guys I'm targeting and that kind of brings me to my thought process here in redraft, which is, you know, I think, if we look at a general sort of top, you know, ten of wide receivers, you have Michael Thomas, Adams, Julio Godwin, Tyreek Nuck. Uh, I put Kenny Galladay in there. Uh, that's that's sort of a seven. And for me, I think you put Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, maybe Mike Evans. I guess I don't mm-hmm. know. Right, something like that. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, you want to look at. at it, somewhere in there, those are elite. And then for me, there's a gigantic tier. And I'm not saying they're all equal. So don't take this the wrong way. But what I am getting at is that next tier is that sort of it's, there's a lot of players, maybe 20 wide receivers and they all have the, shall I say upside to be a wide receiver one, right? Like Uh you can spin a tale where Terry McLaurin's a wide receiver one. You can say that, excuse me about Robert Woods. You can say that about Adam Thielen, Cooper cup, all these guys, right? Right. And you go down the list, and where does that tier end for me? And which guys are in there? Which guys aren't? You know, for me, it's like I don't have uh, Stephon Diggs in that tier. I probably should, but I don't. I have Jarvis Landry, and you know, other players ahead of him. And I think it kind of ends somewhere in that in that ballpark. Um, Yeah. And so for me, I'm generally trying to draft those high-end running backs up front, those top 15, 16 running backs up front, and then try and draft as many of those wide receivers as I possibly can. Whoever, you know, you look, if Diggs is that guy for you, then put him on the list. But, you know, and then look to go elsewhere, whether it be quarterback value, uh, you know, then I'll go back to running backs where I can then take Zach Moss and things like that. But that's kind of been my, my strategy. You know, if I can, you know, just load up on those two to three stud running backs and then shift to, you know, the Calvin Ridley's, Tyler Lockett's, DK Metcalf, Terry McClure, and all these guys are just, you know, Keenan Allen, Gallup, Landry, even maybe Devontae Parker, right? You kind of get to a point where you can get maybe two or three of each uh, of this group of guys, and now you've got, you know, five to seven real quality starters to build a, 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 a fantasy team around. What are your thoughts on, 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 what, on what I just shared?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting tier. Uh, it's uh, like you said, it, any of these guys can be a wide receiver one. They can perform as a wide receiver one. They have performed as wide receiver ones uh, at multiple times within the last few years. It, it's just, it's tough. You know, it, it's tough where, where you're ranking these guys, um, and I think a lot of personal preference comes into play with some of the rankings at this level because, like you said, where are you really cutting it off? You know, even though Boyd can't be that guy, you cutting off there, Keenan Allen, stuff like that. Um, you know, are you really believing the Devontae Parker uh, performance from last year? You know, did he right. finally hit that fifth year breakout? And can he continue that into this year with possibly a new quarterback with Tua, um, you know, eventually, you know, whenever that is, taking over from. Uh, from Fitzmagic, So yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's interesting too, because I am, i love the strategy that you're discussing about, uh, you know, loading up on those early running backs, especially if you're drafting around the turns, you know, the one to two range or the nine to 10 to, or, you know, 11, 12 range where you can grab two guys kind of right away. Um, especially if you're drafting towards the later uh, part of the draft, I, I really like being able to grab like two running backs back to back and then waiting on these, these guys right here to be my wide receiver ones, um, you know, one and two back to back. But, you know, to, to kind of punt it back to you a little bit, like uh, of this list that you have, uh, of this tier, uh, what guy are you the most comfortable with being the wide receiver one on your team? Um,
0: Well, if I'm in that second tier for me, it's DJ Chark. I love him. Uh, can't yeah. can't get enough DJ Chark. Um, I, I, he just, you know, I, I'm going to tell you from the beginning, I missed on him as a prospect. I missed on him even after uh, his first his first season. Um, now, maybe the, the analytics would tell you that I was right to fade him because it didn't look so good. But nonetheless, since then, I've taken a 180 turn and I'm running full speed holding his hands in the meadow. Uh, I love him. So yeah, I'm, I've fallen head over heels. I'm completely smitten with with Mr. Chark so you know he's just got that body he's got that speed he's got ball control he's got contested catch he just has everything that you really want in that alpha receiver and he's also very young Um, you know so he's got a, a you know high level athleticism and and he's and he showed it last year I mean my god that team was kind of a train wreck and you know I love Gardner too but he did that with a sixth round rookie quarterback So we got to give him some credit here. Um, That team was, I mean, I just think he's great. So the next thing I would say to that end though, is like it's pretty interesting, right? So if you have those 15 running backs, let's say it's 15, let's say it's 30 uh, wide receivers, those top 30, that's about 45 players. A lot of times you're going to see some tight ends and maybe some other running backs taken. I'm trying to get of those 45 players, you know, that's four rounds of players. Like Uh I said, if you can get five or six, because yep. they start to slip into those mid rounds and you can, and you can nab them up. And then you shift to guys like I'm talking about the Zach Mosses, the um, Duke Johnson's the Jerick McKinnon's later in the draft where you can get a potential starting running back down the line. Uh, another one, by the way, and we can touch on this in a moment, but Damian Harris, but uh-huh. real quick, what I was going to get at now, what one of the questions I wanted to ask you as I look at <clears throat> that sort of next tier, by the way, uh, if I if if Debo were healthy, he would be in that tier oh, for me, right? Yep. So he'd be right around number yep, th- in the top thirty there. But after that redraft, we're looking at these players. Are any of these guys interesting to you? Um, as maybe including in that sort of tier of of players I'm talking about when we talk about you know the Tyler Boyd through T- uh, McClure and all those guys, right? Anybody of these guys? T.Y. Hilton, Marvin Jones, Will Fuller, Marquise Brown, A.J. Green, Stefan Diggs, Julian Edelman. Anybody there Mm. that you feel confident enough to take with a a premium pick?
1: I almost wanted A.J. Green to be that guy that I could say that, like, you know, he's going to come back this year, and he's going to come back fully healthy, and and do it and be you know be worth a a higher pick but um yeah that we're we're, we're shooting a dead horse or whatever it's so, so it's so scary it to one. pick him
0: though you're absolutely right i mean you know oh. i wanted it to be too i i actually had him ranked much higher earlier and he's slowly fallen i just i I, yeah. I i find myself when i'm on the clock not feeling comfortable taking him just i'm just not yeah. comfortable i i yeah I, you know at the at the price i mean I need him to be a little bit cheaper. I think if he fades a little bit and he's, you know, but, you know, if you look at it like, okay, who do you want, Christian Kirk or A.J. Green? It's kind of like, well, obviously A.J. Green is a better player, but yeah, I think Christian Kirk should see 120 targets and, and a high-powered right. offense. I mean, I'm not even that excited about Christian Kirk, but it's kind of like, you know, I mean, even Debo Samuel, I'd rather wait and, and – and, Get Debo Samuel a, a round or two later. So what if he misses the first six games? You just park him. You know what you got. You know you're right. just waiting for playoff time. He's going to come back around. It'll be Debo Samuel. You'll be adding right. Debo Samuel as if you picked him up off waivers, of right? <laughs> and right. so as long as the, yeah. the the price is right, I'm willing to take that guy. I mean, maybe I like Preston Williams or Deontay Johnson better than him too. Even if we uh-huh. dig further, I just I don't know when I'm comfortable taking AJ Green at his price, and I don't think it's really happening
1: right you know yeah. and and of the list you mentioned you know the one that i'm most interested in uh the one that i, I most think will will return you know bring a return on that investment uh, is actually ty hilton this i agree year. uh I, I think he's gonna have a phenomenal bounce back year uh you know could be comeback player of the year type of thing uh i uh, think that philip rivers um has something to prove and he, and he can still play and he can still sling the ball and and that offensive line is phenomenal they're going to give him the time and as long as ty is healthy again that talent doesn't just disappear you know when the guy misses a season or time just from injury that that you could totally rehab from and come back 100 healthy that that talent doesn't just go away so he's still going to be ty we're already seeing some film out of training camp where he's doing ty things you know catching great deep balls and and being the, being the secondary so he's probably well the guy on that list that you mentioned that I'm the most interested in trying to draft uh, especially if it's you know those mid rounds that you're you're trying to get your your wide receiver twos threes you know you know flex players uh guys that you know, even if he ends up being your wide receiver like Ford, he's on your bench, like that's a phenomenal pick if you got him later. I agree because he's definitely going to perform.
0: I totally agree. And actually, you know, that was the name I was kind of circling. Uh, he happens to also be the highest ranked on my board just after Tyler Boyd there and Devontae Parker. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you know, I, I agree. I've been finding myself wanting to draft Ty Hilton more and more, especially at his cost. It appears as though he's often going after those guys. Oftentimes he'll go after Marquise Brown and Will Fuller and A.J. Green and, you know, Stefan Diggs. Uh, He's still sitting there, you know, and I love being able to get him at that value especially. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I think that Indianapolis team is going to be pretty interesting. You know, another sleeper in Indy for me is Paris Campbell, who is virtually free. I don't even know. I mean, in some redraft leagues, he won't even get drafted. Oh no! You know, no. I mean,
1: you know. I mean, I saw Mike. We just had a, a my home league redraft draft this past weekend, and Michael Pittman got drafted, and Paris Campbell did not. There you
0: go. Yeah, it's interesting. And I don't know. I I, I actually like Michael Pittman too. I would definitely be interested in that. I I don't know which guy is going to be the other guy. It's going to be one of those guys, okay. right? Right, one of them is going to be a bit of a decoy. Whether it's you know the the Michael Pittman sort of the outside decoy, or whether it's Paris Campbell being a stretch decoy, I'm not sure. But you know, one of them is going to get some some underneath routes because Ty does not work too close to the line of scrimmage. He he stretches right. that defense in a lot of different ways, which has made him so valuable over the years. You know, a lot of deep seams, posts, right? A lot of that stuff, um, yeah. deep cross stuff, where he can kind of start pressing that corner into into a speed. And then and then get across the field and, and he, he becomes wide open. And and you know, obviously yep. Andrew Luck hit him for a lot of big plays that way, especially this year with play action. My goodness, you know, you gotta worry about Jonathan Taylor and and the and the big boys up front. And you know, hey, let's go, Philip. YOLO.
1: Yep. And and that's what is he's amazing that he sees that. Yeah. You know, he's gonna see that opening before the play starts. And as long as he's still got it in his arm, which I think he does. He's going to make that throw. You'd
0: think he's going to have some time to throw, too. I mean, oh, that offensive line is really good. And like I said, if they can get that play-action game going, I really trust Frank Reich to put them in positions to be successful. And I really trust Jonathan Taylor to be the baddest motherfucker on the, on the planet. <laughs> I just do. I trust that. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be very easy. for you know. The more I've been coming around, too, I've been hesitant to draft Jonathan Taylor and redraft for a period of time up Early on, I am no longer hesitant. No, get him. He is in my top fifteen redraft running backs because he has the ceiling. You know, at that point, if I'm going to take Lev Bell or Jonathan Taylor, give me Jonathan Taylor. At least, at least I've got ceiling. I mean, I can find floor later on. I mean, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to to push that
1: too. Plus, plus the scheme. You know, like you you got as good as Levion Bell is going to be. He's gonna, it's fantasy is gonna struggle because of the Adam Gaze.
0: It's right. It's gonna oh my god. Oh my god. How bad is that? And you
1: Gaze? know, and you know, Taylor's gonna get the opportunity, you know. And and Paulie from you know, Paulie Sleepers, like he he said it the, uh, a few months ago, you know, like definitely, you know, Marlon Mack didn't go away either. And right, and Marlon Mack, you know, however long he's gonna be there, he's still there right now. So, you know, you got a temper where exactly you're gonna have Taylor, but. But he's going to be the guy, and then for Dynasty, like oh my god, he's definitely going to be the guy. So um, I, I just got him as my running back three in that same uh, redraft League I just mentioned, and it feels so good, right? It feels so good. Feels so good. Yeah. And then you know we always talk about home leagues, especially uh, everyone that's on Twitter and. You know, and people were like, what, Jonathan Taylor the third round? I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: <It's> <laughs> exactly. <gonna be> good. <laughs> well, it's true. You don't want to get out sniped. And actually, I was, you know, being that I'm, you know, sort of known uh, as a, you know, fantasy analyst, when you play with your home league guys, they, you know, they, they read your rankings. They, you know, yeah. of course, they know that I'm going to want. So I got sniped on CD Lamb and Jonathan Taylor in my redraft league. I, oh. It's tough, man. I picked third. Yeah, I like being in the middle because then I can control the, you know, the, the, the runs. And I can, I can, if you're too far apart from your, you know, 18 picks between picks or something like that, it's just too much. Obviously in our 20 team league, it's, it feels like forever, but, um, but yeah, being on the end uh, for those who want to, who could care less about our, 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 the club championship for the undroppables Tommy's picking 18th, I'm picking third. So we're literally on either end. And, it just is forever wait, um, you know, yeah. 30 some odd picks before you pick. And, you know, just there's no sense setting a cube because every single player that you want is gone for sure by the time it's your turn. So um, but yeah, that that same thing happens on the ends. And, and uh, I, I love being able to control it from the middle. And, you know, when I see it's about time that, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going to be drafted, at least I got a shot at him. When you pick Great. on the ends is just you know you'd have to reach two rounds that's ridiculous and that's not good a uh, good process so you know it just sometimes you lose your guys that way happens yep. yeah especially when they read when they read your rankings <laughs> yeah for sure you know we're we're going to wrap it up here soon but i got i got a couple more little ones before we get going i one of the things that i find you know uh to be basically the thing that can win or lose your league <clears throat> excuse me is how you handle the tight end position in a redraft league. So I'll just ask you that simply. How are you handling the tight end position in a redraft league?
1: Unless it's tight end premium scoring, for the most part, I'm trying to wait as long as possible to try to still get some those top five guys. And and whenever you're waiting, you know, you're not going to get Kittle or Kelsey. So I'm trying to like get a tight end right now around rounds five or six. If I'm still trying to go for those top five guys, you know, being Ertz, uh, Waller, Mark Andrews, those type of guys, if I can try to wait a little bit and still sneak yeah. one of those guys in, I agree. I'll definitely do that, and and not really going past round six, uh, at least if I'm on the turn, not going past round six. But if those guys are gone, then yes. then I'm really waiting. Then I'm you know I'm I'm okay waiting, you know, past Ingram and. Hooper, whoever uh, doesn't matter because they go in various
0: orders. Tommy, I'm so with you. I if you could have said it the same way, I feel like those top five. I want one of those top five, but I also don't want to reach too much for those top five because of opportunity costs. So what I'm hoping, right? Actually, and Waller's been this guy for me, is that one of them falls. Okay, and Andrews has Uh been overdrafted in a lot of leagues I'm in. Um, I'm sure you've seen the same obviously again tight end premium is different because you you know you just have a different way of looking at it a little bit but you know but Waller's been that guy that's kind of slipped I sometimes see you know Henry or Engram go ahead of him which I'm delighted and then he just will fall right in my lap and you know right after literally after all those wide receivers I just mentioned are gone so I'm literally I've 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 saturated the, the, yeah, those wide receivers. Exactly. Those top thirty are all gone. The top, you know, fifteen to twenty running backs are gone. The top four tight ends are gone, and other tight ends are now gone. And I have the ability to just nab Waller. Oh, I love that. But oftentimes, you know, if you're if you're playing with other, you know, sharp people, they're gone. I just wait. I agree with you a hundred percent. I'd rather be last uh, because I don't yeah. know if. Like okay, who Ingram or Janu Smith? Who's gonna have the better year? I, I don't know. Could be Janu Smith, and he's like no the idea. tight end eighteen. <laughs> I can get him at the last round of every yeah. draft. I mean, you know, again, not every draft, but you know what I mean. I can get someone like that. I mean, right. you know, Noah Fant Noah is Fant. a huge upside play, TJ. and I'd rather swing upside yeah. than floor for the tight end. I, I I don't need a guy that's gonna get me you know four for forty five. I need a guy that's gonna have a few monster weeks that. You know, could be a a George Kittle um, breakout type of thing where he broke out a couple years back, right? Johnu Smith has that. Noah Fant has that. They have this elite athleticism. They've shown some efficiency. Um, I mean, Jesus. Who could get five carries a game and probably get 100 yards. I mean, this dude is an absolute beast. So, you know, I love taking those guys. And hopefully if it, you know, I know we play in a lot of leagues. Some of us, you know, redraft leagues where the benches are really shallow and even the starting lineups are a bit shallow. I know that most of the leagues that I try and play in and commission and and uh, you know are much deeper deeper benches which you know rewards the better player. Obviously if there's a ton of stuff on the waiver wire it's just sort of a mad rush to get the guy who you know pops off. But in a in a deeper league if you have the the wherewithal to have a few bench players, you know, if you can if you can draft two or three of those late guys and just take the one that pops, you know, you got fan uh, Hawkinson and, and Jonu, it's like, I'd rather have that than spending up for Mark Andrews and not having DJ Chark. Right. You know what I mean? So, or, or whatever, right. you know, um, or Jonathan Taylor. Right. So yeah, I, I have the exact same philosophy. I think it's going to be a winning philosophy. I mean, you know, we talk about the tight end, we talk about the running back dead zone. There's probably also a tight end dead zone. I know JJ Zacharisen did a, a, a piece on it. He basically is you're either early or late with tight ends. And you know, last year he and I—I I was with him a hundred percent. I was all over OJ Howard. Everybody knows I'm an OJ Howard guy. I thought he was going to have the best year ever. I mean, I couldn't have been more OJ Howard. Had him everywhere. He's still on every dynasty league I've got. I mean, I'm going to hold out hope that he—that uh, it's not over for him. Pour one out, Tommy. Um, but you That's know, right. but the point was is that <laughs> even though we told ourselves not to take mid-round tight ends, it, you know, we took them and we were wrong. It's like those mid. Round tight ends almost always don't come through for you, and and the guys I'm sort of circling that I have huge questions about doesn't mean they won't pan out. But Hayden Hurst, Tyler Higby, uh, everybody knows I threw Mike Geseki off a bridge, but especially Hayden, Hur- Hayden Hurst and and, and uh, Tyler Higby because they're literally being drafted sometimes before Darren Waller. I don't, yep. I don't get it. it can you explain that to me? I don't, <clears throat> I don't understand.
1: Okay, so I'm not um, crazy. The Waller, no, yeah, the Waller thing. It's almost just like, oh, there's no way he can be just as good <laughs> well, the second year. He might. And they're like, right, just cause, like, cause you said so, like, right? <laughs> why, on?
0: why not? I mean, this kid. The only thing that held him back was alcoholism and drug addiction, right? I mean, literally, yeah. He came out of college. I remember he was like this big wide receiver who ran blaze. Did he yeah. run like a four four or some crazy thing at like six five two thirty? I mean, he was this. And right yeah. and yes, now he doesn't run a four four or whatever he ran back then because he's two hundred fifty five pounds. But sometimes it looks like he might. Uh, what? Yep. I, and you might be you're you're the Raider guy, so you can tell me. But no,
1: yeah, no, Jax Jax, I literally uh, we have I've been uh, we've been doing on dropables uh, the the team uh, offseason previews. Um, I just finished the one on the Raiders. I literally am, I wrote exactly what you're <laughs> right? talking about. I, I literally at, at that like. Why you know I talked about his off-field stuff and like why am I talking about the off-field stuff so much? Because if he can keep it together, the guy has all the talent in the world. He just needs to like keep his like off-the-field life fine and normally he, he needs to keep making music and just being his himself. And he's gonna ball out on the field. Yeah, and and it doesn't matter that rugs is there. It doesn't matter that Edwards is there. That Renfro's back. It doesn't matter. He's still gonna get his. It, it may not be as many targets as last year, but he's still gonna get plenty of targets. To be a high-end wide receiver, uh, tight end. I line, think so too. Uh, in, in this league next year, I, I don't understand.
0: that. I think so too, and and, and, and I'll catch. tell you this one. You'll love this one, Tommy. So all off-season. So I've been a big Waller fan because of him coming out of college. I, 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 you know, my scouting on him was very high. I thought he was, you know, a, a a a great player and a great prospect. And of course, he washes out of the league. Who knows why? Obviously, we come to learn. It's the you know, it's the drugs and, and that whole thing. And then he comes back and he dominates. And I'm like, well, I think he's just really awesome. And he had a drug problem. That's yeah. my sort of analysis based it on happens. what you know what I've seen and what I so I'm all in on Darren Waller. We start, you know, with these, you know how we are, we're all degenerates. We start with these startup drafts. Um, you know, in February and all this non January, who knows when? I mean, we're just ridiculous, right? So we're doing all these startup drafts, you and I are in many of them together. And I am just clicking the button on Darren Waller, especially they're all tight end premium and I am loving it. And then I hear the naysayers and I'm going to tell you the name that popped into my mind that I thought I just made the mistake. And I thought I drafted Gary Barnage. Remember that the one year wonder late. (laughs) And then everybody was like Gary Barnage. And and then like, (laughs) he was literally nobody before and after that season. But as I've started to peel away the layers of analysis, I don't think that's the case. I'm always open to the fact that I could have been just completely wrong on this one. But I just think Darren Waller is going to be a top six uh, fantasy tight end again. And I think he's going to, you know, look, he only had three touchdowns. He could have a few touchdowns to help him out too, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so what we always talk about, like positive regression, right. right? Like just regressing back to the mean, like the mean is that like the four or five touchdowns for a tight end. So if he's at that, yeah, his numbers are even better. And there's no reason to think he couldn't do
0: Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm glad to hear that we have the same exact strategy. And it, I always find it interesting when someone's just like seventh round Tyler Higby. I'm like, really? Holy smokes. <laughs> like I just, and it's not even that I don't think he'll be good. I just don't think he's that much of a better bet than, John Smith, or even like Irv Smith, who often goes undrafted, tight end 20, so late, you know, all these right. guys, I'll just take the one that you don't like, right? I'll even take Gusecki if it's the guy you don't like, yeah. if, he, if he falls to me late in yeah. the draft. Um, but generally speaking, I'll take, you know, all the other guys over Gusecki. But, you know, the one thing I'll say, and I've, 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 I've lambasted Gusecki for, uh, you know, on a number of different pods. And my whole point is, I just don't think he's elite, but that doesn't really matter at the tight end position. Um, because I I still no. think he's a value. I think he's going you know, between tight end 14 and 17, 18. You know what? That's a great pick. Pick Gasecki. I just don't think you should be expecting George Kittle-level breakouts because he's fast, because he's not well, good and, like George Kittle. And I
1: think what you're seeing, too, is everyone can be had at the right Correct. price, right, the right value. You shouldn't pass on someone um, if the value is there. And, yeah, it's Gasecki. He, he just has the opportunity, you know, but uh, to break into that top 10, like Kyle Rudolph did for many years, sometimes you just need to catch touchdowns and you don't even need to be that impressive.
0: Yep. I agree. So, you know, that's just about going to do it. But one thing I wanted to mention before we get going is how honored and excited I am to have you, Tommy Moe, as part of my group, the group I'm part of the undroppables. You've always been an honorary member, but, you know screw that honorary bullshit get the hell in here and start being part of this uh this special group of guys and uh soon to be gals that we we are trying to put together to bring you know entertainment you know we our plans don't stop at you know putting out content related to fantasy football we really want to bring in more and more talent and more and more people who want to be part of this so i would tell you and anybody listening um you know if you feel like you've got something to offer hit us up you know we're open to hearing someone because we are those people too. We're, we're the guys who kind of started grassroots where we're not too cool for school. We're, we're uh, you know, I just, I brought in a virtual unknown on the team recently is doing some amazing work that Tommy, you're going to work with that I think is just a, I mean, he's a, he's a diamond in the rough. He's doing our offensive line rankings for us. Brad wire, just totally killing it. I mean, just absolutely awesome. And I, <clears throat> you know, we want to have our own offensive line analysis why? Well, because if you have offensive line analysis and you can start to understand who's moving people around and you're playing a bad defense with a good offensive line, guess which running back you should be playing that week, whether it be in DFS or in your lineup or whatever. So we really want to come at this thing. And Tommy, with his playing history, is going to be able to to help us uh, from all angles. So I'm super, super excited to be working with you. A great mind and a great person to have, you know, writing with us and writing and with us. So really, really excited to have you on, brother. Oh uh, yeah,
1: thanks, Jax. I'm I am pumped, stoked beyond belief to be official member, and yeah, let, let's go, man. Let, let's let's do this. I'm, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, Tommy, tell everybody where they can find you. Soon they'll be able to find you, and they still kind of already can on theundroppables.com. But go ahead and tell everybody where we can find you. You know, whether it be on Twitter or anywhere else that you're putting out content.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, mostly on Twitter at two on one ffb. Definitely putting out daily content on there, uh, answering any questions anyone has, giving some trade advice, and just, uh, yeah, analysis from, like I said, from my playing days point of view. Uh, but you can also find my work at two on one fantasy sports.com for now, because uh, then all content, new content, will be exclusively at the
0: That sounds and good,
1: man. Hell yeah, it does. That, that sounds
0: well. great. Look, Tommy's a Tommy's a self-made guy, did did an amazing job with that website and you know a great job with his content and he was working his, you know, you know, his butt off. And now he gets to really kind of change his focus and not have to worry about every little thing, editing and, you know, all the stuff that he was having to do sort of on his own. I mean, I, I know he had help for sure, but you know, not the team that we've got here where we're really all pulling on the same rope, and we're so excited to see what he can do with that. Because let me just tell you, he's got a ton of talent, a great point of view, and we just want to get him nice and connected in the in the football community so that he can start to share his knowledge and everything with you and his, his analysis with you guys. So that's going to be super exciting. I know I'm very excited. He will literally be the 20th member, but feels like an OG to me. I mean, really, you know, he was here before I was here, so I can't even say, you know, he's like the man. So that's a fact. So. Hey, you know, you can find me at Jax Falcone at, uh, on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. I'm usually on there with some nonsense or something really awesome. Usually nowhere in between. Just either awesomeness or complete and utter nonsense. Uh, so if you like either of those two things, you may want to check me out on, on Twitter. But like I said, hopefully this this podcast was something that was, was fun and useful. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more and more fun as we go along. Hopefully I get better and better at it. But that's going to do it for today. But don't forget to also check out all the great shows and and all the content we've got. Again, theundroppables.com and definitely go check out the Unscripted Pod. Yeah, it's Term, Beasy, and PolySleepers as uh, the aforementioned group. Those guys are doing a great job. Their flow is just absolutely awesome right now. And they're bringing so much information on on a weekly basis. It's really kind of awesome. Hopefully this podcast is soon there and you guys can find it. Obviously, it is undrafted but thanks again and signing off